One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Today's topic, finding inspiration. We know that everyone is feeling burned out by these last six months of pandemic, protests, and politics, and probably from the prospect of the next few months. How do you keep coming up with ideas when the whole world is covering the same story? How do you stay motivated at home, away from the newsroom? Well, we asked some friends to help us out here with their advice and suggestions. So here we go. First, one of our reporters here at the Times, Milena Carollo, and here's what she said. The best thing I've done for myself during quarantine is figure out a fitness routine. Before the pandemic hit, I was weight training about three times a week and hiking five to 10 miles on the weekends. Just to be clear, I was not doing that. Me neither. The, the heat and no gym access made it really difficult to maintain any fitness and keep my head clear. I ended up scoring a jump rope and some dumbbells, which have been a massive help. It's not perfect, but it helps with my overall energy levels, sleep, and mental health. Our deputy managing editor, Amy Hollyfield, I, I kind of knew what her inspiration was because I followed her on Instagram and uh, Facebook, but she said, uh, buying a kayak has given me life. I didn't realize how much I missed the water. It's my zen, my calm, my peace. Plus, it's a good social distancing activity. I don't even know I can reach you on Slack when you're in the kayak, so that's good, too. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know about you, but I, I look forward to her pictures now because she's out on the water. And so she's I know. Like, her, I told her her inspiration inspired me to go kayaking a couple weekends ago because it really is a great escape. Yeah, yeah. All right, from uh, Paul Saltzman of the Chicago Sun-Times, who's a Sunday editor easy a run as possible, under 15 minutes, and moving so slowly that I could have walked more briskly. That would be how I would start, yeah. Went a little longer every time out. This is now week eight, Paul says, and I'm definitely not setting any speed records or even doing it every day, walking other days, but I'm up to running more than seven miles. It definitely makes dealing with everything a little easier. Um, so yeah, I don't know about you, Lane. I've I'm doing a lot more walking too. I go out I'll go out in the neighborhood all the time just to kind of like get away from my desk because I feel very sedentary now. Like yeah. and you you probably do too, because as a reporter you were used to getting out all the time. All the time and being out. And my poor old dog has gotten walked more in the last six months than she did in the last six years. <laughs> we had everybody wanted to walk the dog just to get out of the house. But also and I know you do this on the weekends. We're lucky enough to live at the beach. I, I find walking on the beach at sunset is incredibly inspirational. It's it just makes everything unwind and wash away. You, you realize how tiny you are when you look across the Gulf of Mexico, you know, so. That except, when the beaches, except when the beaches are really packed with people, in which case we're like, okay, stay away. You got to find your own private, uh, own private beach. 
So I, I had expected people to say things about exercise and walking and getting it. I kind of expected that as inspiration. Um, but this next uh, category was kind of surprising to me. Um, we called it savoring moments and remembering what matters. And it's from people who found ways to sort of like pass the time, but also mark the time through the pandemic. Um, Kristen Hare is our colleague. She works at the Pointer Institute and writes obits for us. And she said, in the spring, my nine-year-old teacher gave an assignment that we've kept up. Make a pandemic time capsule. My son, daughter, and I each have a shoebox, and I've been collecting small things from our lives ever since. The one and three birthday candles that marked the start of my son's teenage years, mini Polaroids from the day we rented a boat and my daughter caught a fish, disposable masks, the front and inside pages of the New York Times that marked 100,000 deaths with pages of obituaries. All the while, I've reported for Pointer on job losses, pay cuts, and other devastating changes to our industry caused by the pandemic. Eventually, I put it all into a list, which I still update nearly every day. It's a terrible list, but Pointer executive Neil Brown said something like this, we're not gonna let these jobs disappear anonymously. I felt the same way with the feature obits I'm writing for the Times, and even more so for, with the collection of coronavirus obituaries that our colleagues are collecting. Like the bits and pieces my kids and I are gathering shoeboxes. I'm not sure what any of this will mean someday when we sift through it all. I've decided that witnessing what's happening in our industry, in our community, and with my family is the work I can do right now. And, and I told her that reminded me of something my friend Karen Baird, our, our research librarian, always said. She said, we're the first recorders of history. Sort of like the first responders to an accident or emergency scene. Journalists, newspaper people especially, are the first people who write down what happened. And we've got to document what's going on right now for future generations. So I think, you know, it, it helps you to keep going in, through this pandemic and these weird uncertain times when you know that your work matters. And, and that's inspiring to remember that future generations are going to see what we did and be able to relive what we're going through right now. Lane recalled the story that one of our colleagues, Christopher Spada, had written about the Spanish flu of 1918, where he went back and dug through the coverage. Okay, the things that we're writing now, the work that we're doing now um, has a legacy, uh, so. And no one would know it if reporters 100 years ago weren't out there on the streets. You know, that stuff isn't in the memo of record from the city council or the state legislature, you know. So from Alice Short, who is the deputy column one editor at the LA Times, and hey, Alice. We love Alice, she's terrific. Um, Alice says, I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I've felt pretty depressed off and on during the last almost seven months. I have a roof over my head and food in the freezer and a wonderful partner, but I still feel, what, grief? I'm not sure. Sometimes I think about a play turned into an HBO production called Every Brilliant Thing. Here's a quote from The View we published. People, Places, and Things is a list Donahue began at age seven, at the time of his mother's first suicide attempt. A list of everything that was brilliant about the world, everything that was worth living for, kept both for his sake and he hoped his mother's. I really laughed a lot during the play and after the performance. I started my own list of brilliant things. Man movies, dry whiskey, seas candy, Kira Knightley costume dramas, heating pads, anything written by Toni Morrison. That was nice. That was, that was really nice. And I haven't seen the show yet, but I can't wait to see it after that description. You know, just, I've started thinking about those things since I read her post about what are those little things that make me happy? You know, jingly bracelets totally make me happy. <laughs> 
not good for podcasts, but um, so the next category, we called it make it personal and share different perspectives. And this was a surprise and a treat from a reader. Um, I sent the post out to ask other journalists what was inspiring them. And this one wrote back and she said, I'm not a journalist, I'm a fiction writer, but I've been a longtime reader of the Times. And she was trying to keep us inspired, which I thought was also really kind. She wrote me back today and said she'd just gone through chemotherapy and she herself couldn't write anymore. She's trying to write, but she can't. So she wanted to inspire us, which I thought was incredibly kind. So uh, Jenna Gray says, what the Times historically has done best is to tell the story within the story, to make it personal. Tom French's South of Heaven, the stories, both the sidebar and the series, on Pasco's overzealous policing, on child abuse, on the search for a miracle cure for a little boy whose health is deteriorating by inches. We are storytelling animals, and those personal bits stick with us far more than the recitals of facts. And of course, a lot of storytelling to be done in this moment, right? Absolutely. And I think I, I appreciate that a lot because I think that's what we uh, try to do um, is, is find the personal in the issue, you know, or the personal in the political. And, and I, I love that readers, you know, are picking up on those stories from last week and also stories from 20 years ago. All right. From our buddy, Laura Coffey, who's with NBC Universal. Find under the radar do-gooders in your community who spend hundreds of hours training their dogs to be search and rescue dogs who adopt hospice kids. How have these helpers had to change what they do because of COVID-19 and social distancing? How hard is it not to be able to provide the kind of hands-on help they're used to providing? And of course, you can never have enough dog stories. She raises a good point. You know, it, 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 everybody needs perspective, you know? It, it does, it helps you and, and maybe it makes you feel um, empowered and, and I don't know, just, just feel better to see that, that there are people out there doing this kind of work. Well, and every time I've written one of those kind of helper stories about other volunteers, it's created a back, not backlash, like a, a wonderful forward movement, I guess, of other people emailing and saying, I want to help. I want to get out food. I want to stop the pantry. I want to help walk the dogs at the blind association. You know, how do we help? And so I feel like it's also, it's inspirational for us as writers, but it's also inspirational for our readers to be able to feel like, how do they get involved and make a difference, you know? Well, and you, and you just mentioned one, for instance, the pantry, which we've talked about in the podcast. So we, so we did a story about the food pantry and suddenly um, there's all kinds of food showing up at the food pantry. You know, I mean, the, the impact that we can have with our work in the moment, that too can kind of lift you out of your malaise a little bit. You know, it's been such a, um, it's just depressing. I mean, there's just no other way around it. Everything about the last six months that we've been living and, um, and, and sometimes the work we're doing forces you to write about the tragedy and that makes it even more depressing. Well, and I think, well, and I think almost all almost the all that we used to do to inspire ourselves, we can't do anymore. You know, whether it's from Elena going to the gym or for it's for me going to concerts or for somebody else going to a bar or a theater or a birthday party even, you know, church, um, rec centers, all the things that we used to go to sort of escape our jobs and find inspiration. You know, so many of the job, the stories that I found are out in the world living my life that I'm not living anymore. You know, so, so like plumbing the depths of my living room for story ideas or like scrolling through Twitter for the 10th time is not inspirational, you know, so I think... Plumbing the depths of my living room. <laughs> it's, it's like there's not... The places I used to go and the people I used to talk to and even just eavesdropping at beauty parlors and bars, you can't really do that anymore. I mean, so I, I think 
we've had to all look inside ourselves and figure out what works um, not only for us personally, but also professionally, you know, and it, it's, it's, everything is different for everybody else, but I think it's nice to try to help each other out through techniques that would work for us, you know. And you, we've talked about this, you've struggled mightily because you're an extrovert. I mean, you're, this is like, I think extroverts are having a really hard time in, in um, trying to manage, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Being shut away. And, and you were very social. I mean, you like being out and all the time. And, and you know. I hate being in my living room. I really do. <laughs> And Lane's husband plays in a band, so he's out a lot. I mean, you guys are just, you're, you're people who are out and about all the time. So I find myself like when I'm super duper stuck and I can't get out, and especially because it's been raining so much the last few weeks and we haven't been able to go to the beach or walk the dog, I'm just taking these long drives and I started laughing at myself the other day because I'm like waving to people in cars, <laughs> waving to people like strangers, just like wanting to make some kind of connection, you know, whatever that is. That's kind of sad. Like it is sad. I, I recognize that in the moment. That was sad. Like, <laughs> but I, I've had some other ideas, like here at the house, that I don't know if you guys have tried any of these things. I I spent one weekend reorganizing my bookcase, and that sounds silly, but I still had all my college books from thirty years ago. You know, all my course books, everything was piled in this big old bookcase that was my mother's. It wasn't mine. And I hadn't gone through them in 30 years, you know, so I spent a whole weekend just going through the books, picking out the ones I wanted to keep. One shelf's about writing, one shelf's about, you know, books my friends have written, um, other journalists have written. And the other shelf is in the middle is my favorite one is a whole collection of short stories. So everybody from like Edna Ferber to Stephen King, you know, to William Faulkner. And all the short story push cart collections and all of the, you know, best short stories of the South. And I just made a whole bookshelf of short stories because I know you've been reading a lot, Maria, and, and I have not been able to concentrate on a novel. I haven't read one whole book this entire pandemic. I've read hundreds of short stories. I read The New Yorker in the Atlantic every week, every month, you know, but I can't, I haven't gotten like my headspace isn't to get into an entire book. I've got 12 of them piled up on my bed, but I haven't gotten to them. But I find that um, the New Yorker, especially the talk of the towns, those little tiny 10, 12 inch vignettes, those give me great inspiration for ideas of things to do here. The little short stories, you know, where you can cap encapsulate a tiny life in, in five or six pages. You know, that's what, that's what is inspiring me right now. Cause I'm feeling like, I could never write a novel, but I could maybe write a short story or at least a talk of the town at this point in time. So don't sell yourself short. You could write a novel. <laughs> <laughs> My brain won't pay attention enough right now. And then the other thing, I know we've done another podcast about this and we should shout out to our story song podcast. Cause I think actually there were two episodes of that, but I've been listening to a lot of like narrative songs, you know, from every different genre. My husband and I still have a CD case. <laughs> so we, we made a shelf of story song CDs and just like the short story shelf in the bookcase. And so that's been really groovy when I'm, I'm super stuck or I just need something to put some Bob Dylan or some Tom Petty on and do the laundry, wash the dishes and, and let their storytelling sort of, you know, inspire me 
everyone under 40 is now like just shaking their heads, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I just put Jason Mraz on there too. <laughs> um, one other thing I wrote down here is like, and this didn't come till later in the pandemic, um, but, and seriously, I'm not trying to sound altruistic here, but like talking to other reporters through their stories and their frustrations and their ideas has been incredibly helpful. You know, we've met a couple of times on the beach with some of the interns at first and then some of the younger reporters and then just some of our colleagues, four or five people just to sit around in beach chairs with the six pack on the beach. And the first two thirds of it was bullshitting about complaining and how hard this is and letting that all out. But then it reverts to like, what are you working on and what can we help you with? And those, that's what I miss so badly about being in the newsroom and, and just having you know an hour or so on the beach at sunset with colleagues to really get back to like, here's what we love doing about what, here's what we love doing about this was, was really, really helpful. And I, I mentioned beer, but also wine has been very inspiring. <laughs> Um, and you forgot murder so murder shows. That's, that's what, yeah. And why does that help you? I don't know. It's like it's a. I can't. My husband's like, why do you why are you like watch murder shows every night before I go to bed? I like have a glass of wine and watch murder shows while I fold the laundry. And he's like, what the hell's the matter with you? You know. But somehow it's an escapism. I like the storytelling. I like the um, unearthing of clues. But it also makes me feel like, all right, my life is not that bad. <laughs> you know, it's like a measurement. Like. I will say, so, you know, everyone got caught up in Tiger King earlier this year. And, and of course, um, the Carol Baskin place is here in Tampa and the, the man who disappeared is here in Tampa. So we've been doing stories about that. And, and it's like, oh, man, that's, that's another rabbit hole to get into. But it is a distraction, that's for sure. It's good escapism. Um, so I was just going to offer up a, a couple bits of advice. Uh, that um, One, um, I, I used to have this mentor. Her name was Bayless Brewster. And Bayless, what a cool first name, right? For a woman, she'd put them in the the no pile. You know, that would be the first. Like, if they, if the reporter couldn't figure out that she she was a woman, out you go. But um, she had this great office and with this cozy chair. And when's the last time you read a good book? When's the last time you listened to music? And um, you know, it it really was like just her way of trying to pull me out of the moment and say, you know, whenever you're losing yourself in stress and you're, and you're losing yourself in all the crazy things that are coming your way, that, you know, if you take time to go read a book, you take time to go listen to music, you're in your mind, you're letting yourself escape and you're letting yourself get a break from whatever it is that's coming your way. And I, to this day, I mean, this, it's been years and years since we were together. I think about that every once in a while when I'm, when I feel that way. And I, Sort of coming into this year with everything that was happening, yeah, I purposely sort of started attacking books. Um, I, I, I read short, short stories for a living, so I, I, I like books for the, uh, the longer escapism. So I've read 24 books this year, which is like, um, I, that's for me, that's an awful lot. Um, but I, I do enjoy the escape, whatever your escape is, but I mean, I, I do think have to escape from, from what it is. Um, you were we talk a lot about too, you know, when even under normal times, uh, reporters can get into just, you know, hit a wall and needing to get away from that walkway. I, the same happens to editors, for, to all of us, you know. I think that, it, that there have been a lot more times in the last six months where I just have felt completely drained and like I, I wasn't in it. I wasn't, I just couldn't get my head around. Like I'm not into it, I'm not feeling it. And it's like, okay, well, tonight I'm gonna cut out early 
we're such, I mean, what we do is you got to be, it's, it's so important to be in the right headspace. And if you're not in the right headspace, then it's really hard to do the work that we do. Know that it's okay to hit the wall, you know? I think we've all been hitting the wall a lot. Um, I know in talking to, you know, individual reporters and hearing the same things Lane's hearing, you know, it, I've been just, I've been encouraging people to take vacation <laughs> to get away, not just take vacation, but to get away because it's, it's just draining. I mean, it's emotionally taxing. I just finished writing the story about um, depression. Yes, Maria, I finished it. <laughs> but one of the things that um, the counselors were saying was, it's so important to be able to tell yourself it's okay to not be okay. You know, it's okay to not write the great American novel in this pandemic. It's okay to not cook the perfect pot roast. It's okay to, you know, not be on all the time right now and to give yourself permission to say, you know what? Today, I'm going to just sit around in my pajamas and watch Netflix all day, and it's okay, and I'm not going to be hard on myself, you know. But also, there was a lot of advice about reaching out when you're feeling stuck or depressed to reach out to somebody else and try to lift them up, you know. That sounds like my Methodist church upbringing, but I think it's true. Like, the more, the more you can lift other people up, uh, the more you yourself get lifted. Um, so, yeah, and just so I end with a couple other thoughts. Um, we talked about... Uh, Stephanie Hayes, our humor columnist on an earlier podcast, but, um, and, you know, she and I find ourselves laughing at things that we shouldn't be laughing about, you know, to try to find, find some of the craziness that, that, that will bring you some joy, you know, even because, and, and it's, that's okay too, right? Um, and, and again, and then finally, I guess I would say, I would also encourage wine. I have been drinking more wine <laughs> those last six months, but anyway. And also to remember we're all in this together. You know, whenever my kids or my husband gets around and starts complaining about how hard and difficult everything is, it's like the whole world is going through this. All of us listening to this as journalists are going through this, but everybody in our community, everybody in our state, everybody in the country, even the world is going through this. So remember, you're not the only one, you know, and, and I think that helps a little bit to, to know it's, it's not about me. It's, I'm not being signaled out to be dumped upon, you know. All right, if you have a question for Lane or want to suggest a podcast topic, find us on our Facebook group or email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Ayana Ishmael. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.